I'm so excited to share Dorinda's story with all of you. She shares seeing something great in someone else and helping to foster that with others. She talks about how judgment has become an area of focus for her in terms of not judging. And lastly, which is my favorite part, she brings love and kindness into the business world. And I think that is tremendously important. You do not want to miss this episode. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. This is Kara Kirsch, the host of the Ignite Women in Insurance and Business podcast. And we are so very excited to be with all of you today in walking through a journey around confidence and building confidence, understanding how we lean into our confidence, and also how we can support others in their confidence journey. I'm really excited today because I'm having um, a discussion with one of the very first people, professional women in my life who demonstrated the ability for me to lean into my own confidence. And so I'm very, very excited today to have with us Dorinda Card. Hi, Dorinda. Hello. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. I see some snow in the background. Is it snowy where you are? It is. It's surprising because I live in West Fargo, North Dakota, and usually we have tons, piles of snow by now, but actually it has been raining the last few days and turning into ice, and then we finally got a little dusting of the snow on top, but I can still see my grass. Not normal. Not a normal year at all. And how much did you guys get last year? Oh my gosh. I don't know. I had piles that were no lie, 10 feet tall. And the, it took forever to melt. Um, oddly enough in the place that I live, my little office here faces outside. And so the trucks, that were taking the snow from the city to some place to dump it kept going by last year. I haven't seen one this year, not at all. Well, those guys need some work to do, huh? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, we got a little bit of a dusting on Christmas Eve and then Christmas and then I think a little the day after that. So I'd say we have maybe two inches on the ground, just enough to make my car dirty, which makes me crazy. <laughs> yeah, I'm used to it. I'm used to having the car dirty by now because it's it's always like that in the winter. In yeah. fact, I my daughter was not able to come up for the holiday and she on Christmas had my grandson I think it was Christmas Day or the day after, had my grandson out in their backyard um, in Elkhorn actually sledding and going down the hill. But he had to jump off before he got to the end because there was a fence he'd run into if, if he did. It was cute. We don't want any injuries. Yeah, no injuries. Yeah. There were some kids sledding in my neighborhood too, so it was fun to watch. And I thought to myself, self, should I go sledding also? And then I was quickly reminded that that would not be a good idea given my current age. Yeah. I don't want to. I'm kind of thinking the same thing, except for that commercial that's out 
where the woman orders all the pads for the sled. Oh. <laughs> I, I think of that often. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. Well, I'm going to take us back, way back in time. Um, and I think, if I'm thinking correctly, it was around January or February in 2004 when we first met. And we met at a lunch. Yeah. And it was actually, I had a job at the time and um, you and a couple of other people came to the lunch and after the lunch, I got a call saying, do you want to come and work with us? But, you know, I think that that lunch was a very pivotal time in my life and in my career. And so I'm just excited to to talk a little bit about it more today and and then what happened. Yeah. Yeah, it was a great day, actually. <laughs> Um, before we go there, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about Dorinda? Okay. Well, I am from northern Minnesota in a town called Grand Rapids, and they used to get that screwed up with Grand Rapids, Michigan, but it's Minnesota, very much a hockey town, um, small town, 10,000 people. Um, grew up there. I actually... Um, in high school, was on the debate and speech team. I ended up marrying my high school sweetheart, although we had broken up just for about a year and then got back together. He um, played baseball and and wrestling for Grand Rapids, and we were kind of one of those two that are un an unlikely pair, definitely. <laughs> But um, went to college there and at the University of Minnesota in Duluth. He was in the Navy. And then we re-met uh, on a summer where he was out playing baseball. And I happened to go out to that game. So um, he remained in the Navy for the next few years. We got married in 1983. And we lived in the Minneapolis area for a while, um, about eight years there. And I had both of my kids there. And then an opportunity came to move to Omaha, Nebraska. And I spent 20 years in Omaha, most of that time with United Healthcare, and then Coventry, Aetna as some people would call now, and a TPA called Cypress Benefits. Was that the order? Was it United Healthcare, Coventry, and then Cypress? Or it, what was the order of those? That was the order. That okay. was the order. United, I spent 22 years starting in the Minneapolis area mm -hmm. and then going to Nebraska with United the health plans were called something different then. So it's not recognizable to everybody. It was Medica in Minneapolis. Then it was Share Health Plan, who turned into United Healthcare of the Midlands in Nebraska. Mm. And what was the role that you had when you first joined United? Oh my gosh. It was, I was called an account coordinator 
And I worked for two account executives, um, helping them mainly with the paperwork of new business and renewals. And then um, with that, also doing some open enrollment meetings for them. Mm -hmm. And so I was promoted to be what you would now call an account manager. It wasn't called that back then. But for small groups, I remember having a a group that was of 35 people and I had to do the renewal. It was Willette Bakery in Minneapolis and a bunch of them had like five or six or seven kids. So the pricing was high. And it got a it, it also got a 35% renewal and they ended up renewing everything was fine. But I know I remember it being one of my first ones that I had to deliver. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah. I remember I remember some of those firsts as well. So when did you take the role as um were you the director or the vice president of key accounts? Um, so once, once I left, um, I was a senior, senior account executive when I left and came to Nebraska. Mm -hmm. I'm saying that because you're in Nebraska, (laughs) but, um, and went there with the same role and then the CEO, or actually she was the chief operating officer then, saw something in me. And actually, I received a promotion to be a manager and then another promotion to be um, the director of of accounts, um, commercial accounts, so both small and large. And then actually the vice president of sales and account management for Nebraska, small group, large group, and we also worked with Iowa. So mm-hmm. I had the Iowa health plan um, in that capacity as well. Wow. Wow. So someone saw something in you. Yes. So did she ever tell you what the characteristics that she saw that would help you move into the direction that you went in your career at that time? Um, I would say some of it was sales success, knowing what to do, how to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then helping, helping the other people learn it as well. And I always like, if, if I was the salesperson, somebody else was the account manager, lifting that person up because they had the capability, they just needed the chance mm-hmm. and wanted to, um, you know, to do to do something different, which led to their promotions. Um, and, and it just, it just worked. I mean, I, I never thought from the very beginning of my career that I would be in management. It just kind of happened that way, but I learned to love it because every time 
somebody would have that light bulb turn on and then be able to go forward with that, that's what excited me and kept me going with the entire career, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find a very similar um, passion around seeing talent and then reminding those talented individuals that their path of success is uh, very real. Yeah. When they question their own greatness, I'll yeah. say. Um, and, and that's a tough word for a lot of women. Yes. Even yeah. me. <laughs> you know, when somebody tells me, oh, you're a perfectionist or you're you're doing it over and over, you don't need to have to do that. And yet it just kind of comes. I, I need to do it for myself. Mm-hmm. And because I, I personally, I don't always think I'm great. I try. But, but every woman, I think, has this little bit of self-doubt. Mm-hmm. And I call it, I we call need each other. Absolutely. I call that little self-doubt the mean girl. Yeah. Oh, that's a great one. Your mind that's like, mm, are you as great as you thought you were? And I think that we're reminded regularly, I know I am, of, um, you know, the idea that we have to be careful about how great we think we are, um, especially compared to our, you know, male counterparts in the roles that we're in or in the companies that we're in, et cetera. I agree. I, I've gotten a lot more confident about speaking truth into um, situations with male colleagues that are riddled with gender bias and they don't even know it. You know, I tell a story of a time um, where I had a colleague who was the same age as me. And granted, I look very young, but. Of course you do. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing a little extra work isn't helping with, but I digress. Um, He, every time he saw me in the hallway or the elevator, he would say, hey, kid. And I was like, at first I was like, oh, that's cute, you know. And then I thought, yeah, not cute. And so we were in the elevator one day and I said, hey, how old are you? And he said his age and it was the same as mine. And I'm 50. And this was probably when I was like 45. And I said, we're the same age. Did you know that? And he's like, no, I didn't. And I said, how would you like it if I called you kid? Hey, kid, would you would you think that that was a term of endearment or that it was funny or cute? What would you think? And he's, he was quiet wow. because I think that, um, but I didn't do it in a way. One thing I realized in like 2014, I know the year well, is that as a strong, fierce, powerful, competitive, successful woman, you cannot go guns a blazing. People won't hear you. You have to attack the circumstances in a way that makes people think about what it is that they have done. You are absolutely right. I was asked once, well, do you, by a man, do you think I have gender bias? And I'm like, well, we all have bias. I too am biased in certain ways. 
based on my upbringing, my religious preferences, my marital preferences, whatever they are. And he said, well, I don't think I have any biases. And I said, really? I said, well, let me ask you a question. The last time you organized a golf event, did you invite any women? (laughs) And he was like, no. And I said, well, why is that? Because there were women at the event. Why weren't the women asked to golf? And he said, well, I didn't think they would want to. And I said, well, actually, of the four women that were at the event, three of them are golfers. I'm not. I don't give a shit. But other women asked me if I was invited to golf. And I just declined. And so they took my declination as that applied to everyone. And, And in fact, I was not asked. And he was like, good point. I think if I had raised a fuss, and I say fuss because that's how we're labeled, oh, she's just bitchy. You know, she's complaining about it. No, actually, I'm not complaining because like I said, I don't give a shit. I don't golf. But if I'm standing before you on behalf of other women, then my reaction is that everyone should be included in all activities, whether they want to or not, if that's the activity for the group. That is absolutely correct. Why weren't the men asked if they wanted to go to the spa? (laughs) Hey, I did take men to the spa. Right. (laughs) Me too. Me too. I mean, men do just as much grooming, especially in our industry. If you look around, Uh, they spend um, plenty of time grooming, et cetera. Yes. Um, So let's talk about the lunch that day because, uh, you know, It was a pivotal time, as I mentioned, in my own life for multiple reasons. Not only did I get to experience um, professionally a situation where I could grow, but financially, it was a big move for me as a single parent. You know, I don't know if you knew that, but even the first time I started at my salary, it was a it was an increase over where I was. And as a single parent, it was pivotal because I was able to provide and do more for my family. Um, and that that really was a time when I got a taste of work hard, get rewarded financially. And um, so that was a really big deal to me. But talk to me about what you saw in the lunch. I'm not trying to wax my own ego here. No, but no. Tell me about the lunch because you saw something similar to someone saw something in you. Exactly. Um, you were very professional at that lunch. We were looking for an account manager. Um, there was a gentleman who reported to me. Um, He was not at that lunch, but when I, after speaking with you, after just kind of observing through the lunch, I went back to the office. He happened to be there and I said, you need to call this person and hire her. She will be wonderful. (laughs) And I think he did. I don't know if he called that very same day, um, but he did it. You were interviewed and and you were hired. Mm -hmm. And it is easy to do that when you have the power. Because I've had times where I've had that ability or that power to be able to recognize the talent 
and and say, I think you'll like this person. Please hire her. And I don't know if he, I don't think he was scared of me one bit. So, <laughs> yeah. so, you know, he had to have seen it as well. And, um, you know, I was just thrilled to have you come join us and be able to even influence some of the people who already had those jobs to kind of push for more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there's complacency everywhere <laughs> and, uh, and it happens. And sometimes people need that extra, oh, hey, maybe I should try a little harder yeah. or do it a little bit differently. Or I always believe in bringing in new ideas. And there's companies that both you and I have worked for that aren't so into new ideas. They want to continue to do it the same way over and over again, even though something could be easier, simpler, and more rewarding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Yeah. So I say to people now, steel sharpens steel. I yeah. even say it to my kids because I'll say, yeah. you know, you are who you hang around with. If you hang around with people who are sleeping till noon, not doing anything on their breaks or during the day that they might have off, you too will take on those same tendencies, perhaps subconsciously, but you will take them on. And um, that's one thing that I'm very careful about in my own friend circle is making sure that I surround myself with people that I enjoy and love, but also that are not allowing me to be complacent in in my life. That doesn't mean we don't have fun. That doesn't mean sometimes we don't do Netflix and chill, but it does mean that when I'm headed down a path that may not serve anyone, mostly me, they're saying, eh, try something else. You know, they're not afraid to step into that. Um, and I too have been at lunches very similar to that where I've seen someone and I too have been in positions sometimes where I can say you should hire that person or not hire that person. Um, and so I understand what you mean and I'm forever grateful for you seeing in me the potential that I had because United was a very a fun and fruitful career to me. And um, I'm so grateful for that experience because it made me the great consultant that I am today. You yeah. know, the reason that I'm not, I, I was never really, I wasn't raised to have a lot of fear and I'm incredibly resilient. Um, but I'm unafraid to try things. I'm unafraid to ask questions. And I'll say that I've gotten better at asking questions so that people don't feel, you know, because I am strong. Sometimes people do say, oh, she's direct or, you know, whatever. But people who know me well know that I come from a place of of kindness and caring and that yeah. if they can accept that, the greatness that they will get from it is likely to be tremendous. Yeah. And it's very similar for you. 
there's to me there is nothing wrong with a little extra work um just putting putting your heart into something and having the passion to do it i i admit so when i was in college i wanted to be the next barbara walters I had no clue that I was going to end up in insurance. Right. I don't think anyone does. I <laughs> no. joke about this. No. I ask high school kids, I'm like, what do you want to do? And they're like, oh, you know, some sizzle, sexy thing. And I'm always like, what about insurance? And no. <laughs> <laughs> I did the same. My, my son is an excellent salesperson. And he and I have talked a couple times, but I'm like, no, don't get into insurance. Don't get into insurance. Now, if you could sell Milwaukee tools, that would be the best job for him. <laughs> but insurance it has its ups and downs. I mean, we deal with health conditions and we put a price tag on them. And when you think about that, how awful, <laughs> you know, inhumane almost to, to be thinking it in that way. But yet insurance companies take risk. Mm -hmm. They're and, in the risk. And we have to deal with risk. And, and the longer you're in it, the harder it is to get out because there is both risk and, re and reward of being able to help somebody and mm -hmm. having a member say, you guys really helped me through this. Mm -hmm. um, it, you know, you dealing with the health conditions themselves and trying to have understanding for what people are going through and then have insurance on top of that, that they worry about is difficult. Mm -hmm. I agree. What's your favorite thing that your clients or your staff will say to you? Like, is there a phrase word where they'll say something and you'll be like, okay, yeah, mission accomplished. Mine is, I love it when clients and team members say, I didn't know I could do that. So yeah. if a client says, Wow, okay. I didn't know that was an option. I didn't know that. Thank you for teaching me. I didn't know that I could do that. That is what fires me up. Yeah, I actually don't have a favorite phrase, but what you just described happens all the time. And I admit that, that I am passionate about that. Every time, example, um, person at Health Partners, which is where I work now, um, had to put some information into our CRM system, mm -hmm. hated it. Everybody hates having to do the CRM. Every, let's clarify, every salesperson hates it. Exactly. Every salesperson. CRM for all our listeners is a sales tracking database. Yes. <laughs> and what I what I told her, so think of this. I'm new to this job. I'm inheriting salespeople. 
And I said, well, make it work for you. Mm-hmm. You know, use it so that you can keep track. Don't think of it as us or the company keeping track, but use it as your way to keep track of things so you know where you are. And she's reminded me of that probably four to six times throughout the last two years. Well, not two years, year and a half. Mm -hmm. and and said, I would have never done it unless you told me that. And, yeah, and so she found a way to make it work for her and uses it, and I have no problems with her entering her data. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's funny because some of the administrative parts of my role, as an example, I'll hear other people you know, complain about. I complain about them too, but I view my role as my own business. Yes. And in my own business, I would never negate the administrative requirements of my business. So my expense report, as an example, or um, any trainings that I needed to do or anything like that. Okay. Um, those are part of my business. I don't, I don't not do them. Using our sales management database also is something that I think um, I view in that way. So I love that example. The, the idea that we can reposition something in our mind and make it not negative, rather make it positive. So sometimes on that note, I'll hear people say about young girls and little girls, oh, she's bossy. I always correct them and say, she's elite. She's actually a leader. She's yeah. not bossy. She's a leader. Because the more we can change the stigma around little girls who demonstrate leadership capabilities, demonstrate entrepreneurship capabilities at a young age, the more we lean into that, the better we can position the road for them. Because I would say, I've paved the road for women behind me you paved the road for me and other women. The more we do that, the more, the less bloodied young women will become in the roles that we're in today. Yes. Because I've said to people, I was bloodied, That's you know, not only through process, et cetera, but also by my experiences with colleagues, whether male or female, because to be honest, I had female colleagues that weren't super excited about what I was bringing to the table. Even when I went to United, there were, I had female colleagues that were like, eh, she's doing too much. She's yeah. taking too much time. I she, even remember that. Yeah. She's working too hard on the details. Like no one cares about that. Um, but it was the reason that I was able to grow through the position I was in and then work in national accounts, which was a super awesome experience for me. And then move, I relocated with United also in sales. And I'll never forget, um, a leader said to me at that time, um, Kara, you're great at taking care of clients, but can you hunt? Can you hunt something from scratch? And I was like, Ooh, I don't know. Um, but then doing it, realized how good I was at it. And in 2020, I actually took a lot of time to be a steward of sales and 
realized not only did I have this sort of raw talent that a lot of people don't have, um, but I finessed it so that it got better. And um, now I view it as, you know, more of a process. I was raised by a military dad. So I too, I say I'm a recovering perfectionist (laughs) um, because perfectionism from my research does not come from a good place. Um, And so when I have a process for something, I am meticulous about that process. And if the process results in better reaction results response than a non-process, I'm always like, well, just follow the process. I don't understand the problem. (laughs) (laughs) Here's what you do. Um, And so I do think that the more we can create an environment for young women to thrive in that way, um, the better it is the better it will be for everyone because who said it where there's a table women should be. I'm not saying that exactly correct, but I believe it was Ruth, uh, Ruth Ginsburg. Yes. Um, where decisions are made, women should be. And someone said to me once, well, are you a women's liver? I'm like, no, I care about equality. I care about everyone getting an opportunity. Now who chooses to use their opportunity is on them. I don't think we should create this, you know, participation trophy for everyone. I do think the the cream rises to the top and I'm not, I don't feel bad about that at all because I worked harder. I did more. Yeah. Have you, by the way, have you even heard that term used, a woman's liver lately (laughs) in the last few years? Well, yes, but not as much as the past. Yeah. 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 Which means progress has been made. Right. Maybe not at all to the level it needs to be, but, but definitely made. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely progress is made. And speaking of that, what would be maybe a couple of the lessons that you've learned Mm -hmm. through your career um, that you think others could benefit from? To not judge people until you really know what's going on. You know, a lot of times you're going to see a person have a bad day or a bad week. And some people judge immediately. And even though, yes, I saw talent in you, I'm trying to say that I used to be very judgmental of people. You know, that little thing in the back of your mind that's always like, oh, she's this or she's that. (laughs) And I have learned through the years and really worked hard to not do that. And it requires work. Mm -hmm. Because once your mind is developed, it's just going to start popping. Yeah. And you have to... Definitely stop yourself and ask the questions and let it play out and not, not be as judgmental. I do it. My, my wonderful mother was one of those people who loved everybody unconditionally and it didn't matter what you did, how you did it. She was still there for people. 
And I figured early in my career, I would say, oh, he's not, you know, he's not doing it right or, <laughs> or she's not, or she's being too this or too that. And, you know, my own struggles with my husband who, um, when we were younger, our marriage was great. And as I started to progress into management and leadership roles, he actually started to kind of drop, you know, his ambition and became an alcoholic. And, you know, so for years we struggled and I learned that he could not stop what he was doing. It wasn't, it wasn't that it, he was just being bad. He literally had a physical problem that he couldn't stop. Now, my husband, for, for your listeners, um, died of a massive heart attack on December 20th of 2010. Mm -hmm. I remember. And he had an enlarged heart, which came back in the autopsy. But even after he passed, I started thinking of myself and, and, you know, cause I had gone to some counseling with him and that type of thing. Was I just enabling him? Mm -hmm. Was, was I judging my own husband? And I think I was, mm -hmm. it was easier to go to work, frankly, mm -hmm. much easier, mm -hmm. but, um, Anyway, that's, that's one of the things I really strive hard to do. And the one other thing that I've really learned about myself is I can't be the type of boss or leader that doesn't get close to the people working on my team. Some people would tell you, you can't do that. And I remember a male boss saying, you can't name the cow. Mm. Meaning that employees were part of a herd and you just were not supposed to get close. Mm -hmm. And so even in interviews, I would try to find out if I had to be that type of person or if I could be me. Mm -hmm. And so far that's worked for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you said a whole bunch of things that are resonating with me. Um, one is the judging. Yep. Um, I too have learned to judge less and like you said, it takes work. It totally does. But 
like you, I've been on the receiving side of judgment that was inaccurate. Yes. And that's the part that reminds me to not judge. So like when I see a woman doing great things, I have a really good friend who is an author. She's a global speaker. She's awesome. That doesn't mean she's not flawed in some way, although I have yet to find it. Um, But she is just a tremendous power. And when I leave her, I feel full. I don't feel jealous. I don't feel like I need to, oh, well, this wasn't great. No. And I have another friend that is one of the people in my life who taught me to be kind. I was kind, but kind to the people that I loved, not always kind to others. Like, go out of your way to do something kind for someone that you may not know or that kind of thing. Not that I was rude. I just wasn't like outwardly friendly and kind. More so because I was just in my own zone, you know, my own bubble. And um, part of that was a protection mechanism. Um, But now like spreading kindness is something I care deeply about. How can I bring kindness and love into dot, 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 fill in the blank, whatever that is. So judgment is something that I think we have a long ways to go as women because we do. there's we do. always some judgment that's happening about me, you, some other woman. So the judging part is a really big deal. The leading with love is a really big deal. I will tell you that I struggle as an employee um, to be my authentic self with my boss. So you want to be close to your people. My boss wants to be close to her people. I don't do that well. Why? Because I was raised in a home where there's separation of church and state. In fact, I used to say that at work. I can imagine the military background. Yeah. You know, your personal business does not belong in the workplace. And I've had multiple experiences of times where bias has occurred because of my personal circumstance. So once a leader said, some other leaders wanted to give me a project. And one of the leaders said, well, did you know she's a single mom? Like, is she going to be able to do that? You know, that's why I don't uh, tell people my personal business. And I've had to learn that. And I'm so thankful for my current leader because she provides a safe space for me to be vulnerable in the person I am. And I know that it's not going to be used against me. Yeah. You know, and so I do think that as women, we that is a real fear it has been used in the past against us, and that's something that I'm hoping to change. And through my own growth, I'm trying to change it. You know, so some of those lessons are my lessons too. And one other thing, one other lesson that I've had to learn is if what you're about to say doesn't benefit someone other than you, don't say it. That's so. A good one. <laughs> it's so good. Like it, I use it a lot with my kids because I'm like, you freaking dipshit. Why yeah. are you doing that? That's so stupid. But then I think, well, who's that going to benefit? Because they clearly think it's the best thing for them. And they have to figure out no different than I did when I was young that that's right. stupid. So, you know, like sometimes you just have to let things happen. And and I also mm-hmm. have gotten very good at asking questions 
as opposed to making comments. So I'll say to people, whether a colleague or a family member, if they're complaining about something, I'll say, are you asking for my advice? Are you asking for my perspective? Or are you asking me to listen? Because I can do any of those. Oh, yeah. And interestingly, with my kids, I get both answers. I just want you to listen. I don't want to know what you think. Okay. And then at the end, so they've gone on this 10-minute rant about nothing. And then at the end, they'll pause and there'll be this silence and I'll say, okay, well, what do you think? (laughs) (laughs) You told me not to think. So, uh, yeah, I've been burned with that. Definitely with my daughter. Oh, yeah. Mine oh, too. completely. I, I'm going to, I think I'm going to try your, your method and yeah. see how yeah. it works. It actually really does work. Like, would you like me to listen or would you like my perspective? I mean, I think back to being married and a oh. lot of men try to solve things for you. Yes. And it's like, no, I don't, yeah. I don't want you to solve it. I just want you to listen. Right. <laughs> Right. Commiserate with me. Commiserate with me. But he he had a difficult time understanding everything about the insurance world. He did heating yeah. and air conditioning. They are quite different. Quite so. different. Yep. I agree. I agree. Well, this has been so right. much fun. And I just want to make a few comments here. But first is just how forever grateful I am for you and for you seeing things in me that I may not have been seeing it myself at that time because you changed my life and I'm so grateful and I try to do that in my life today. So thank you for believing in me and teaching me how to do that too. Um, and it gives me shivers, Kara. I, I mean, it makes things that I've done in my life, my career worth it. For you to have remembered that and thought of me. Even though we haven't seen each other, I think we were at a um, Blue Cross event out in California or Florida. And that's the last time I've seen you for a long time, except on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, for our listeners, uh, you're on social, you're on LinkedIn, um, so if people want to follow you, they can. Um, but let's do a little lightning round question and then we'll wrap up. So what's your favorite food, Dorinda? Favorite food, ice cream. Oh, good one. Uh, what's your favorite book? Um, the Who Moved Your My Cheese. Okay. I oh, love that. Yeah. And then what's your favorite vacation spot? And it's winter, so it better be summer warm. Oh, I have to say my favorite spot was, I I have sold it now, but it was a cabin on Leech Lake in Minnesota. I remember. It, It just, the cabin was not anything special. It was the lake. Yeah. Being on that beach and moving rocks and doing all kinds of things. That was my my space, the place yeah. I love. Yep. I love the water too. So right I now totally... it's any place that my grandchildren are. Amen to that. Yeah. <laughs> Amen to that. 
Yep, I totally agree. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. We're so excited. Um, And we're excited to share this journey with our listeners when we continue this discussion that hopefully will bring a tremendous amount of value and structure and thought to you as you think about how you're going to lead and continue to progress in your life. So, Dorinda, much love to you. You Uh, as well. Thank you for being with us. I'm just tremendously grateful. And hug that grandbaby. I will. He's adorable. <laughs> I will. For all of our listeners out there, you can find us on social, on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook under Ignite Women in Insurance and Business. And if you have any topics or ideas that you'd like for us to dive into, please don't hesitate to reach out. Um, and don't forget to hit that listen and subscribe button. Have a great week. A Huda Media Production.